Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello to everyone out there in podcast land. Thanks very much for downloading the podcast. Um, it's a Saturday lunchtime right now, and uh, it's a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining, the sky is blue, and I'm sitting here indoors in front of a computer. So obviously I've got my uh, priorities right, haven't I? Um, I think that as soon as I finish this, I'm going to go outside and enjoy the good weather. Because, to be honest, here in, in London, the weather isn't always good. You've got to try and make the most of it when it is good. So I shouldn't be sitting here in front of a computer, should I? I should be out there enjoying the sunshine. So I will be doing that soon. Um, so, first of all... I'd like to say thank you again for downloading the podcast. Um, on my podcast page, I can see all of the downloads that I've had all over the world. And it's, it's fantastic, actually, because um, I get like a map of the world with little flags that show where I've been downloaded. And um, people are listening to me in, um, in Canada, somewhere way up in the north of Canada, I'm being listened to in uh, the middle of uh, America, um, in Toronto, uh, Ireland, all over the UK, um, in Spain, in Algiers, in North Africa. Um, as well as that, I'm being downloaded in uh, Holland. Um, some people are listening to me in Luxembourg. Um, and let's see, where else? Um, Milan in Italy. Um, Greece. Istanbul in Turkey, um, I'm being listened to in Kazakhstan, and uh, a couple of places in China. Some people are downloading me in South Korea. I'm being listened to in Japan, in, in Tokyo, and in Sapporo as well. Um, so it's really great to be able to communicate with people all over the world like this, and uh, I'm enjoying it very much. Don't forget to send me a message as well. I really like to hear from you. Um, let's see, in today's podcast, um, in the feature section, I'm going to be talking about vampires. Now, I know that before I said I was going to be talking about men and women. Well, um, actually, I've changed my mind. I I'm not going to talk about men and women in this podcast. It's going to be about vampires instead. That's because um, I was planning to talk about men and women, but that's not ready. That podcast isn't ready yet. Um, I've interviewed some people about that, but I'd like to interview some more people as well. So it's not ready yet. Um, you'll have to wait uh, until probably next time to hear about men and women. So instead, this one is about vampires. Um, now that's because there are a couple of movies which have come out recently. The first one being... Twilight, which is an American film which recently has been released on DVD, 
And another film is a, a Swedish movie called Let the Right One In. And they're both vampire movies, both very popular. And so I'm going to first of all talk about Twilight, which is this very, very popular vampire movie, particularly popular with teenagers. And then I'm going to be talking about vampires in popular culture, the history of vampires in literature and movies, and talking about what, why are vampires so popular? What do they really mean? What is it about vampires that makes them interesting for us? Okay, so that's the feature section. Then in the language section, I'm going to teach you some useful vocabulary you can use to describe emotions and feelings. That's like different ways of describing being scared or being frightened, being sad, being shocked, being very happy, being very angry, uh, being disappointed. Lots of really good useful language that you can use just when you're describing things or when you're describing things that happen to you. I will write the vocabulary and the definitions on the web page and then you can start using them and making them part of your normal vocabulary. So you can look forward to that in the language section. I know what you are. You're impossibly fast. And strong. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. Are you afraid? Only afraid of losing you. That's a clip from the movie Twilight. And if you didn't catch that, uh, she said, I know what you are. You're impossibly fast and strong. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. And he says, are you afraid? And she said, I'm only afraid of losing you. Hmm. Well, uh, she should be afraid, really, because it turns out that this guy is a vampire, believe it or not. Um, now, Twilight is a massively popular film. It's huge. It's, uh, it's particularly popular with uh, teenage girls. Um, it is based on a series of books by Stephanie Meyer. Uh, the books are currently the number one bestsellers on Amazon.com. It's a whole series of books and they're all very, very, very popular all over the world. Basically, this is the new Harry Potter. And the first movie, which was released last year, is massive, okay? S especially with teenagers and especially with teenage girls. Now, um, Twilight is about a girl called Bella whose parents split up so she has to move to a small town with her dad and she has to go to a new school. Now normally in these Hollywood films where a teenager has to go to a new school you get the usual problems. For example, uh, they find it difficult to make friends. Uh, perhaps um, they get bullied by sort of nasty uh, members of the school. But um, this doesn't really happen in this film. Bella goes to the new school and actually the, the other kids are very friendly. She gets on very well with them. But what happens is that she thinks that the other kids at the school are actually a bit simple. They seem to be quite sort of 
basic and a bit stupid, really. She notices a, another group of people at the school who seem a bit strange and a bit mysterious, and they don't hang around with all the other kids at the school. And um, they look very kind of romantic-looking. They look a bit gothic and very mysterious and interesting. And one of them in particular, whose name is Edward, she becomes very fascinated with. And um, let's see, she, um, she quickly becomes very attracted to Edward. And uh, she thinks that he's very fascinating. But um, she, she, uh, she doesn't know why he keeps avoiding her. Now, like I said before, it turns out that, well, he's a vampire. Um, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets about the film there. It, it, it is a vampire movie. So it turns out he's a vampire, but he's not a, he's not a bad vampire. Not like someone like Dracula, for example. Um, because him and his little vampire family, they're not bad vampires, they are good vampires. Because they, they don't um, kill people, they don't drink people's blood. What they do is they, they catch animals and they drink animal blood and they avoid people if they can. Okay, so they're, they're basically good vampires. Um, now, basically what happens is that Bella and Edward, they obviously are very attracted to each other and they fall in love. But they are very afraid that they uh, will lose control with each other. Because, basically, if Edward loses control, if he gets too passionate, then he won't be able to stop himself and he'll bite her. Okay, so what you've got is a kind of teenage romance high school movie with a vampire theme and the fact and a, and a romantic element with the fact that these two people love each other but they can't really be together because he's a vampire. Um, now I actually saw this film um, in Norway. I was in Oslo a couple of months ago, and uh, it was a Saturday night, and I had nothing to do because I was there on my own. And I decided to go and see uh, this film. It was showing at the local cinema. And I went to the cinema and before the film started I was almost alone in the cinema. So I thought, okay, fine. I'm just going to be able to sit here quietly and watch the movie. But um, slowly but surely more and more people arrived. And the cinema basically filled up with lots of teenage Norwegian girls. And me, right? So I'm sitting there on my own, surrounded by all these teenage Norwegian girls, right? Which, I mean, I'm not complaining or anything. It wasn't bad, but it was a bit strange. And the, the movie starts, and the first time you see Edward, these girls just went crazy. I mean, they're all giggling and laughing and talking to each other. Now, obviously, Edward is, is a very popular character, with the uh, with the girls out there, and um, the actor actually is called I can't remember his name. I think he's called uh, Robert Patterson, and he's been in a couple of other movies. Most famously, he played uh, Ced Cedric Diggory in the Harry Potter series, and um, in this film, he's made to look very handsome indeed, and he's very popular with the teenage girls. And like I said before, Twilight is a very very popular. Um, vampire film. Um, now, what I'd like to do now is just talk about vampires in movies and in literature. 
And what I'm going to say here is based on a lecture that I heard by the great um, academic whose name is Christopher Frayling, actually Sir Christopher Frayling. He's also the head of the Society of Arts here in, in the UK. And he's a great academic and an expert on popular culture. So that's things like literature and, and movies. And he gave a lecture about uh, vampires in popular culture. So I'm going to give you a kind of summary of what he said. So the, the vampire myth really started in the 18th century. Um, and in, at that time, there were stories that people told each other um, that involved vampires and um, bloodsuckers and so on. And at that time, the vampire was a kind of, uh, let's see, a countryside figure, a rural um, folklore figure um, from agricultural society. Okay, so actually in that time, vampires were working class labourers who worked in the countryside. And the vampire story, um, when it first started, involved lots of superstition and some very primitive societies. Okay, so it was the kind of, um, it, it was part of stories that people told each other by word of mouth and the vampire was related to a kind of folklore myth. These stories were based in Eastern Europe, basically. Then, in 1816, um, on Lake Geneva, there was a very famous meeting of a number of famous horror writers. They included Byron, Shelley, and Mary Godwin. Um, they had uh, a, their summer holidays there at Lake Geneva, and the weather was terrible, okay? Um, so what they did for entertainment was they told each other very scary horror stories. And these horror stories became some of the most famous horror, st horror stories that we know now. Um, things like uh, Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I think. And as well as that, the first um, vampire story, which was told by Byron. Now, his story was about a lord who went around corrupting young men. So that means he, he went around making these young men immoral, interested in sex and alcohol, but not interested in the church. The story was set in Greece, where this lord finally dies a romantic death, a bit like Dracula, and then is brought back to life in the moonlight. So it's really the first vampire story that sh that showed vampires as we know them now and it was different to the old folklore stories because in these new in in the uh, the Byron story um, the vampire is not a, a rural character not in the countryside um, biting sheep and things now the vampire is a high class character and is sexualized a kind of sexual person also um, this new vampire story um, kind of looks at the bad reputation that upper-class aristocrats had in the 19th century. So then, later in the 19th century, the story gets repeated and rewritten by lots of people. Some of the things change. For example, you get female vampires as well, and, and some things like that. Some of the things stay the same. For example, the location. Um, 
pretty much all of these stories are based um, on the edge of Western Catholic Europe, so somewhere out on the on the edge where we don't quite know what happens on the edge of Western Europe. Now, the most famous telling of the vampire story is Dracula by Bram Stoker. This is the version that everybody knows and which has been repeated many, many times. Now, in the Bram Stoker story of Dracula, all the basic elements of a vampire story are introduced. Okay, So the, uh, the vampire is a powerful man, a sort of um, lord or an aristocrat, someone in, in uh, upper-class society related to the aristocracy, okay? Um, he, um, he, he has to bite people and then they become a vampire, okay? He bites someone on the neck. He has sharp teeth, sharp canine teeth. Uh, vampires hate crosses. Um, sunlight kills them. Um, you can kill a vampire with a wooden stake, which is kind of like a sharp stick, and you stab the vampire in the heart, and that can kill them. You can also kill a vampire by chopping its head off. Uh, vampires in, in this story can change shape. They can become a bat, or perhaps a dog or a wolf. Now, all of these classic vampire elements get repeated in lots of movies um, after that, and lots of other stories. And this is really what we now know a vampire to be. One of the most famous images of Dracula comes from the British Hammer Horror movie uh, called Dracula, which starred the actor Christopher Lee um, as Dracula. And um, often when people think of Dracula, they see the Christopher Lee performance. And Christopher Lee in the movie is a very tall, uh, handsome, charming uh, Dracula um, with the sharp teeth. Okay, now, um, later on, after this image of Dracula is produced by movies and by Bram Stoker, later on, uh, the vampire becomes domesticated, which means he, 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 he becomes closer to home and more similar to us. So this is done in, in for example, books like Stephen King's book, uh, Salem's Lot, um, and also other Hollywood movies. So the whole vampire thing gets updated and it is put into contemporary modern America, a sort of normal everyday setting. So this is a new way of making vampires frightening and scary. So, for example, a vampire can live on your street or even in your house. They don't just live in a big castle in another country somewhere or in the countryside. They can live in your town. Okay. Also, the vampire becomes Americanized, so that's put into normal American society. Now, th this is a very common pattern in horror stories. Uh, many horror myths start as a European folk myth, so not written down by, but but uh, shared by by word of mouth. Then the stories get written by nineteenth-century British writers, and then later. They are made into American Hollywood movies and they are updated. So it's a very common pattern in horror. And one that we can see has happened with vampires. So now the vampire is an ordinary person, um, like a teenager in a high school, 
for example. So you get things like the TV programme Buffy the Vampire Slayer or movies like Twilight, for example. Okay? And first of all, this is more scary because it makes it a bit more realistic. But also, um, teenagers, for example, who are the target market for these vampire movies, usually, uh, teenagers can relate to uh, vampires and vampire movies. And then these movies are about issues that affect normal American people. Okay, So the vampire has, has really changed and um, it has survived through from old, old Eastern European folk stories through to 19th century British horror writers into modern-day American Hollywood films. So the vampire is, is very flexible, very adaptable, and the vampire can survive. You can't kill it. You just can't kill the vampire. It will always survive in popular culture because, for some reason, it's very meaningful for us and we can see lots of important issues or meaningful issues to us in the vampire myth okay so the vampire movie is like a metaphor okay so on the surface it's uh, it's a scary movie okay but underneath that the vampire movie allows us to think about lots of other issues and at a vampire movie can be about more than just being scared, but it's also about a number of different issues that relate to us in society. Okay, um, Right, so I'm going to just quickly look at some of the themes that you can find in, in many uh, vampire stories. Okay, So one of the first themes that you see in a vampire film is... Um, the theme of disease, okay? Now, this is a very old theme, which you can see in uh, the, the first vampire film, which is called Nosferatu. That's a German film from 1921. In that film, the vampire is presented as, as like a plague of rats, okay? So the, the vampire's bite is like the bite of a disease, which infects your blood, okay? Um, the disease spreads as well from person to person um, through the blood. Also, there is a sexual connection with seduction um, and the exchange of body fluids. Okay, So in that sense, Dracula or vampires can be seen as a metaphor for even something like the AIDS virus, which is a, a big issue in society at the moment. Um, for example, if you look at um, Francis Ford Coppola's movie, which is called Bram Stoker's Dracula, there are scenes in that movie which show uh, a doctor looking at um, someone's blood under the microscope and seeing that it's infected uh, by the vampire's kind of microorganisms. Okay, so in, certainly in a lot of uh, vampire books and movies, uh, they are a metaphor for disease in society. Also, um, sexuality is a big theme in vampire stories and movies. Vampires are, in a way, a safe way for us to look at eroticism. Okay, So the vampire really is a very sexual creature. 
Often he seduces his victims, he bites uh, women and then turns them into whores, right? He appears in women's bedrooms, he bites on the neck and he sucks out body fluids. These are all very sexual images. Also the desire to bite and, uh, it's, and, and to feed are like sexual desires, which is part of a sinful act, okay? Um, now, as well as those themes, you have the theme of uh, the fear of death um, or growing old. So, vampires can represent both the fear of death and the fantasy of immortality. That's never dying. So, if you like beating death. So, by becoming a vampire, you can escape death, but you have to hide from society and kill people. So there is the tragedy of um, becoming a vampire, which combines the fantasy of never dying with the tragedy of having to escape from society. Also the tragedy of seeing your loved ones grow old and die. And you can see that theme in the famous movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt called Interview with a Vampire, which deals with the whole theme of immortality and uh, the the, the tragedy of having to kill in order to, to survive and stay immortal. Um, you could also see the theme of drugs in some of these uh, vampire films. Um, being a vampire means that you have to live at night, you become very pale-skinned, you need to drink blood in order to stay alive, and if you don't, you get sick. So in, in that sense, it's similar to a kind of heroin addiction, perhaps. Now... Movies like uh, The Lost Boys with Kiefer Sutherland, which is a 1980s Hollywood movie. Great movie. I used to watch it when I was a kid with my brother. We loved it. Um, movies like The Lost Boys are about loss of innocence and the pressure to copy um, people of your age. So do the same as, as people of your age. They're about temptation and the nighttime drug culture of young Californians. In The Lost Boys, it's about two brothers who move to a small seaside town in California and how one of them becomes um, seduced by a group of vampires who live in the area. And for me, it's, it's, it's like the subtext of the film is like that he becomes a drug addict. And if you watch the film, and imagine that he's not a vampire but a drug addict, it becomes very meaningful, I think. Um, okay, so you can see how vampires are kind of very important in a way in our culture and uh, how meaningful they are. Um, it's interesting how the vampire film continues to survive. It never, it never dies. Um, instead, it gets revised, it changes, and it also becomes a way for us to look at various issues in society. So, um, if you haven't seen Twilight, then I, I can recommend it. I thought it was a very sweet story about um, first love and how it can be very hard um, to lose control of your feelings when you first fall in love as a teenager. Um, it's also about the danger of passion and your emotions and the power of attraction and, and how it can be very confusing 
and frightening when you when you uh, first fall in love because the feelings can be very strong and that can be quite frightening. Now I thought the film was quite corny, you know, it was a bit embarrassing sometimes. Some of the sequences are a little bit funny, but basically I think it's a sweet film and uh, I think it's a good film. So if you haven't seen it then I I recommend it. There's also another Swedish film which is in the cinemas at the moment called Let the Right One In. And I haven't seen that, but um, apparently it's excellent. All the critics are saying that it's a very, very good vampire film indeed. So I'm hoping to see that very soon. If you have seen that, and if you have seen Twilight, then um, send me a message. Let me know what you thought of both of those films. Um, Remember, the email address is luketeacher at hotmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so this is the language section. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is going to be about um, expressing your emotions, describing your feelings. Now, all of the language in this section you could use, for example, to uh, when you're telling a story about something or when you're describing an experience that you had. So all the examples I'm going to give will be in the past tense. Okay, so you might use this language, for example, if you're describing Um, an experience like for example how you felt about your exam results or how you felt when you when you first heard about some news Um, so the the areas I'm going to talk about are being frightened or being scared okay Um, being shocked um, feeling angry um, feeling happy um, feeling disappointed and feeling sad okay so obviously very very common emotions and very very common in our daily experience and when you're describing your experiences it's very very good to use this colorful descriptive language to express how you felt at the time okay so all of the language I'm going to teach you I will uh, write on my web page so you can see all of the expressions on the web page um, with some definitions. Don't forget the web page is teacherluke.podomatic.com 
and you can see all of it explained for you there. So we'll start with fear or being scared, being frightened. Okay. So one thing you could say if you were very scared, you could say, I was really scared or I was really frightened, of course. You could also say, I was absolutely petrified. I was absolutely petrified. So petrified is a, an extreme adjective to mean very, very scared. Okay? I was absolutely petrified. You could say I was absolutely terrified as well. Okay? Um, another thing you could say is I was scared stiff. I was scared stiff. That means you were so scared, so frightened, that you couldn't move. Right? I was scared stiff. Um, another one would be, it frightened the life out of me. It frightened the life out of me. Okay? That means I was really, really scared. Okay? Basically, it frightened the life out of me. Uh, another one is, sometimes when you're very scared, uh, when something scares you, you jump. You, go, you kind of go, huh! Right? So you could say, I jumped. Or, it made me jump. Okay? Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, for example, I woke up last night because I could hear noises from downstairs. I thought it was robbers in my house. I was absolutely petrified. I couldn't move. I was scared stiff. I managed to pluck up the courage to go downstairs. I picked up a cricket bat and I went into the kitchen. I could hear some really strange noises. Um, so I, I went through the kitchen and suddenly my cat jumped down from the window. Huh! It made me jump. Right? It frightened the life out of me. I thought it was a robber, but it was just my cat. Okay? Um, now, in that story, I said, I plucked up the courage to do something. So if you pluck up the courage, it means even though you're scared, you kind of um, become brave enough to do something. Right? I plucked up the courage to do it. The next one is um, being shocked. Okay? So, for example, when you hear some really shocking news, like, for example, if you hear on the radio that someone has died, like a famous person has died, like if you heard on the radio that John Lennon had died, for example, you could say, um, I was really shocked. Or you could say, I was absolutely speechless. I was absolutely speechless. That means um, I couldn't say anything. I was so shocked. Right? Um, you could say, I was shocked and stunned. I was shocked and stunned. And they always go together. Stunned means that you couldn't move. You were so shocked. You, you didn't know what to do. I was shocked and stunned. And the other expression is, I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe my eyes. So that's if you see something shocking and it's like, what is that real? <gasps> I couldn't believe my eyes. Like when I saw the UFO, I just couldn't believe my eyes. You also can say, I couldn't believe my ears. That's if you heard some very shocking news. So for example, um, when I heard on the radio that John Lennon had died, I was absolutely speechless. I didn't know what to say. Okay. Uh, when I won the lottery, um, 
I was shocked and stunned. I didn't know what to do. And um, let's see. When I saw my exam results, when I saw that I'd failed my exams, I couldn't believe my eyes. All right. The next one is uh, about being angry. Being angry. Of course, you can say, I was really angry. But you can also say, as an extreme emotion, you could say, I was absolutely furious. I was absolutely furious, which means very, very angry. Okay. Um, a slightly rude expression would be, I was really pissed off. I was really pissed off. And that's a British English informal expression, which is a little bit rude to mean I was angry. Now, in America, they would say, I was pissed just pissed, not pissed off. Now, in British English, I was pissed means I was drunk. So there's a difference between British and American English. In British English, we say, um, I was really pissed off. Pissed off. A little bit rude and a bit informal. If you, if you become angry, you can say, I lost my temper. I lost my temper. And that means I became angry. Okay? And another kind of idiom expression you could use is, um, I hit the roof. That means I became really angry. I hit the roof. Okay? So, for example, when my dad heard that I had failed my exams, he was absolutely furious. He was so pissed off. He really lost his temper. And he, he hit the roof and was very angry with me. Okay? Now, the next one is about being happy, okay? Now, of course, you can say, I was really, really happy, okay? But um, a more extreme adjective you could use is delighted. I was absolutely delighted. I was absolutely delighted. Probably a good idea if you repeat that, right? Practice it by repeating. I was absolutely delighted, okay? Um, an informal British English expression is the word chuffed, chuffed. And you can say, I was chuffed to bits. I was chuffed to bits. Um, you can read that on the web page if you don't know how to spell it. Okay, I was chuffed to bits. And an idiom you can use when you're really happy would be, I was over the moon. I was over the moon. Okay, so for example, um, when I passed the exam, I was absolutely delighted, okay? Or um, if you're a girl, right, you could say, when he asked me to marry him, I was over the moon, okay? And uh, when I got the job, I was chuffed to bits, right? Uh, the next one is about being disappointed, being disappointed, okay? Um, so obviously you can say, I was really disappointed. But you can also use an, an extreme adjective, which is devastated. Devastated. That's when you're really, really disappointed. Like, really badly disappointed. I was absolutely devastated. Okay? So, for example, oh, let's see. Um, when my dog died, and I really loved my dog, right? I really loved it. When my dog died... I was absolutely devastated. Yeah, um, An informal uh, British English expression is gutted. Gutted. Yeah, I was absolutely gutted. 
which means really, really disappointed. So, for example, when England lost the football game, I was gutted. I was absolutely devastated. Because, obviously, football is very important, yeah? Okay. Uh, especially if it's England. Um, the next one is about being sad, okay? So, obviously, you can say, I was really, really sad, yeah? But an extreme adjective would be um, heartbroken, heartbroken, yeah? Uh, I was absolutely heartbroken. Um, okay, and an expression you can use to describe someone who is sad is down in the dumps, down in the dumps, down in the dumps, okay? So he, he was really down in the dumps. That means really sad, okay? So when my girlfriend left me, I was absolutely heartbroken. And then for weeks, I was really down in the dumps. Okay? Right. So there it is. Some useful language for you to express your emotions and opinions when you're describing your experiences. Of course, you should try to use some of those expressions when you're chatting, when you're speaking in English. It will make you sound like a more advanced speaker. Okay? So... You might not be able to remember all of them, okay? But I've given you lots of useful expressions there. Try to use some of them. You don't have to use them all. Just try to use some of them. Look at my webpage. You will see all of the expressions written so you can see what the words look like and how to spell them. And you can check them in the dictionary as well if you like. Um, but that's the end of the language section. And it's also the end of the podcast. And so I'm going to end with a final question, and I'd like you to tell me, let's see. Okay, uh, two questions. One question is, um, have you seen the movie Twilight, or have you seen the other movie, Let the Right One In? And if you have seen them, what did you think of them? Also, have you read the book Twilight? Because it's a very, very popular book. It's, uh, I think, one of the most popular books in the world on Amazon.com at the moment. So if you've read that, what do you think of the book? Is it better than the movie or worse? And the second question is, tell me about something. Tell me an experience that was very frightening or maybe disappointing or something that made you very happy. Tell me about it. I'll read it out on the podcast and you can tell the rest of the world about your experience that way. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I hope you found it interesting. Don't forget to download and listen to more podcasts in the future and to download and listen to the old ones again. Um, I recommend that you listen to them several times. Listen to them more than once, because uh, it's a really good way of uh, practicing your listening. If you have any suggestions for me, if you, if you want me to speak about something, or if you want me to do something differently, just let me know, and I will, uh, I'll try to, to do those things. Okay, so that's the end of the podcast. See you later. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for downloading Luke's English Podcast. Don't forget to email me at luketeacher at hotmail.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.